Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Cassidy Preston, high performance coach with consistent elite performance. When creating the podcast, I made it a point of emphasis to seek out individuals who have a role in hockey operations that offers a unique perspective on the game, and I think today's guest does just that. Cassidy does a great job of bringing the topic of mental performance and mental health to the forefront in what is an influential episode that will teach the listeners throughout. With that, I am happy to present Cassidy Preston, High Performance Coach with Consistent Elite Performance. Today we're joined by Cassidy Preston, mental performance coach. Cassidy, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really exciting to have you on. And we had a little bit of a talk here before and just talking about, you know, we have a lot of coaches and general managers, but listeners and, you know, people that are interested in the game always like to hear a perspective of somebody in a, you know, a unique position or things like that. So uh, to have you on and kind of talk about your career and some of the things you do, I think it will be uh, refreshing and uh, insightful at the same time. Awesome. So let's just start off here and uh, maybe talk about yourself a little bit, including your upbringing and maybe uh, touch on your, uh, you know, sports in your early years. Yeah. So I grew up in North Bay, Ontario, like three hours North of Toronto and in Ontario um, and was fortunate enough. Like I was a very competitive player, um, got drafted, got to play in the OHL, played five years of junior hockey, played a little bit of pro hockey, and then uh, got to play five years of university hockey at York and U of T. So I had a pretty long career and throughout that career, that's where I got really interested in the mental game because it comes so big as the higher you go. And, um, and I struggled. I mean, like great one game, a disaster the next. So uh, that's what kind of then moved me to kind of keep working on it and then do my schooling and, and do my master's and PhD in that field. And so, um, so now that's what I get to do full time is helping people and, and teams and businesses work on their mindset to get that you know, performance and well-being side of it. So, and, and to have that consistency in the performance. So that's, uh, that's the short of it. I've done uh, coaching. I coach AAA. Uh, I've worked with lots of different teams uh, at different levels and now businesses. And uh, yeah, so I've got a, you know, unique collection of, of experiences. And, and one of the things I like to highlight, which is, you know, kind of like definitely taking a different approach than coaches and GMs to a degree in the sense of like, I'm really just focused on and really interested in, these, you know, me- like the mental skills, the less tangible concepts of, you know, being an elite performer, 
and you know versus like the the concrete like physical skills and technical skills and tactical things in the game but what's actually going on in our mind and um and how we manage our thoughts and emotions it's like it's not so obvious and it's often hard to talk about and like understand and like don't know how to like there's a um, maybe we'll get into it later but some of the big mistakes like it's like oh yeah just be confident and uh, uh and just stop worrying and uh, don't worry about that and forget about it like those are all the outcomes we want for our mind, not the how-to. Yeah. I hear other OHL players and their coaches are going, just be confident. Like, oh, you're not confident enough. Be more confident. Like, that's not how you can. Like, there's, there's other things to do, there's, but there's also understanding our thoughts and emotions, which can lead us to be overly doubtful, overly worried, and then therefore hurt our performance. So those are my interests, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those. But that's my, my short, somewhat short background story from being a kid to – junior and, and and some pro hockey and and then going to school and coaching and now doing this full time has uh, been a unique uh, journey path so far. Yeah and we'll definitely get to dive into a number of those experiences but as you said uh, for coaches and, and things just telling you to be confident and things like that um, you know it's not as straightforward it's a very difficult process and uh, being able to relate to those players and help them through that process comes uh, you know more natural when you had a playing career yourself so I know you referenced it quickly. Just uh, go back on your playing career and talk about some of the places you've been and some of the experiences you had, you know, as a player on the ice. Yeah, well, I grew up in a small town. So we, like hockey, like in North Bay, like there's like 56,000 or so. And um, the battalion are up there now. And um, and so they got OHL hockey back. But like, it, it was like, you know, we didn't have the same resources as like the, the, in the big cities. And so, you know, there was when I got drafted and then left at 16, eventually, um, I went to Pembroke to play my underage year. Um, you know, it was like really kind of like getting myself out there and leaving the city and like those pressures and this unique of being a, you know, a strong player in a small town, right? Like we didn't have like a lot of top players. And so, so that was kind of like a fun experience. And then, but like hit, once I hit junior, it was, it wasn't necessarily easy. Right. So, um, and I did okay. My first year, I actually got traded from North Bay to Pembroke. Um, cause I broke my jaw and the, the North Bay team was so stacked. Um, and so they're like, uh, we, it's not good for your development to stick around here. And so I broke my jaw, came back from that, played out in Pembroke. And then I jumped to the OHL the next year, train really hard, make the team. And that first year in the OHL is where, you know, things did not go the way I thought they were going to go. And I remember being about like 12 games in after being on the starting lineup for game one, 12, 15 games in and had no points and coach goes, going to be hard to play. So now I got played very little the rest of the year. If I didn't play, I was getting like a handful of shifts, two, three shifts. I had one game. We drove from Toronto to Ottawa, like four hour bus ride. I'm in the lineup. I think I'm going to play. Didn't get a shift. Right. So like, you know, it was a tough year. I got healthy scratch 34 games, like 34 times. I didn't play in the regular season. Then I got healthy scratch in the playoffs too. So um, like, you know, confidence, the love of the game, like these, the, you know, there's a lot of tough things and lessons I was able to learn in that time. Um, but I was able to bounce back. I came back. I, I ended up going up and down the next year. I won a championship with the buzzers on uh, junior A, which is like five rounds of playoffs. So it was really fun. Um, had some great success there. Had a solid year in the OHL the year after, you know, you know, being able to contribute finally. And then also, and then played out my OA year, did really well, had lots of fun, and then played some pro in Muskegon. So that was a really cool experience. So like going from junior and then playing with like guys like 33 and, um, and it was a little like, a, like I said, a cup of coffee down playing in the, 
in the States, but it was uh, some pro hockey, but that was a fun experience. And then I wanted to go to school. So that's what, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to just grind it out here in the pros. I'm going to go to school first. Maybe I'll do that after. Um, and then, so I've wrapped up my undergrad at York and then did my master's at UT and was able to so play at two university, which is pretty rare. And, um, and that was a lot of fun. So, um, but th- at that point I was like, nah, I'm not going to go play overseas or something. Like I know what I want to do. I want to keep and stay in school versus stop and come back. So I started my PhD after I finished my playing career. Some rough and definitely some rough waters in there. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's a lot of learning experiences and, uh, you know, those things help you later on. And you talked about uh, going into psychology and doing a PhD and things like that. Uh, just talk about U of T and York and some of the experiences you had uh, in those programs and, you know, how it prepared you to work uh, in sports and mental coaching moving forward. Yeah. So when I did my undergraduate at York, um, cause I was doing some of it while playing junior. So I actually started off in psych. Then I was like, ah, it's like one one wasn't that interesting actually. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll do business. And I was like, ah, oh, business wasn't that interesting. The microeconomics. And I ended up in kin, which is where the sports psych kind of came back full circle. And, um, and so, you know, your undergraduate degree is a lot of fun and made some really good relationships there. Um, building a foundation, you know, of and, and getting some practice there but then when i transitioned to u of t that's where things like you start to really specialize right and so i got really into the research and there's a lot more autonomy in what you're doing um had really good relationships to build with the players there really started focusing on like that mental side of the game and learning about the research and the literature and i've been reading books and doing courses along the way um but that was really cool and then obviously then when i go to do my phd back at york i go do a this ping pong back and forth uh, finished my my PhD there that's where they're learning really kind of you know a whole nother level of critical thinking and you know the supervisors and the amount of re- reading and research I had to do was uh was pretty high but it's it's spending that time not just applying things but just learning I spent so much time just kind of reading learning testing things out having uh, you know helpful supervisors to kind of guide and give and, and create mentorship uh, my supervisor my PhD was Jessica Fraser Thomas and, uh, and at your, uh, U of T was Gretchen Kerr, like both fantastic models and supervisors on, you know, how to understand concepts and think and critically think and be aware um, and to apply yourself in research and life uh, and, and those things trickle forward. So it was, it's actually 12 years I spent in university. That's, that's the total amount. So it was a six, cause it was a six year undergrad between junior and then three years to fa- finish it up two-year master's, four, and a semester PhD. So that was a long time to be in school. I tell you, I was, I was, I was kind of happy to be done. But it, it surprisingly goes by pretty quick when you're – I enjoyed what I did for the most part. So um, – and, uh, and was able to do research that I was interested in. So Yeah, that's yeah, that's, pretty my, that's my schooling experience. It's <laughs> a long story. It's short. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, for me, uh, I did a four-year undergraduate, and that was pretty much uh, – I was done with the school and ready to dive into some other things. But, uh, you know, something as advanced as that and, and so many different things to study and uh, talk about that critical thinking and things like that um, – you know, not a lot of people can do it, but when you really put your mind to it, like anything, uh, good things will come with it. And you talked about that thinking and getting that side of it, but then you also touched on applying. And and that's something we see a lot in hockey and, and coaching early on, especially uh, just taking some things, you know, and applying them and testing them out. And for you, one of your first coaching positions was with the North Toronto uh, PBAA team. Uh, just talk about that early experience and kind of what you learned in that, uh, you know, initial role. Yeah, so I think I was still in my undergrad at that time at York, and um, 
was an assistant coach. My billet family from St. Mike's, it was the dad, those are the billet dad's cousin. So Tommy Carnavale, he's like, so I, he knew me and was like, hey, want to come coach? And I was like, sure. Like, so I was like, that sounds like fun. Like, I'll do that a little bit. And I didn't go often. Like, I wasn't there full time, like once, twice a week, maybe. Like, I was missing stuff. And it was double A. And uh, but I was getting my foot wet. And then from there, we jumped to the AAA team after. So when I was at U of T, I was driving from there again, part-time while doing school and playing to part-time coach. Um, and it was, and it was really interesting. So those few years as an assistant coach, and even in with North Toronto, it's, it's so much fun to be with a team throughout a whole year, right? You get to know the players, you see them develop, like the things that they learn, the, the relationships you build, um, being able to create a team that buys in, like, so that's where I kind of really like fell in love with coaching in a lot of ways that way. Um, versus before I just done like hockey camps and stuff and it was fun, but it's like short time period, like a month, a week. And, um, and you see progress and you build relationships, but then you don't see them for like 11 months or 10 months or whatever. So, um, so that was, you know, that's, that's where I really kind of learned. And then I also was, you know, while I was playing, I also was very interested in coaching because, you know, the coach has such an impact on the players. And so there's so much to be learned about coach education and the, these interpersonal skills that aren't so obvious, but very real and, and have a big impact um, on the players. So those early days and Tommy getting me in there and learning from him and, um, and just getting that experience was, uh, was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's always interesting to hear those initial experiences and whether it's in a full time kind of jumping in or you're working part time and things like that, there's definitely a lot of takeaways that you can get from there as well. Um, so before we keep going with the team things, maybe just talk about, uh, complete hockey training and, and some of the things that you were able to do there as a, you know, marketing accounting, and then also with some on ice instruction and things like that. Yeah. So CHT, so complete hockey training. Um, I started that when I was like 19, my parents said, you gotta get a job. And I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> so something around then. And I was, a uh, my other job was, and we don't want to get into that, but I was bouncing at a bar. I was like the bouncer at the Moose in North Bay. So, kind of like, so but like that was only like a once or twice a week kind of thing. I'd like, you know, an eight o'clock, that two o'clock shift or whatever, right? So it wasn't really a job. It's kind of, <laughs> but the, so then I, I started doing training hockey players because in North Bay, small town, there wasn't really any hockey specific training or much of it really. So I was like, well, I'll train. Like I didn't have much. I had some mentors that gave me some stuff, but I was like trained by myself a lot or one or two friends. And so I was like, I'll start training some players. We had some guys, some of our first guys, like Nick Hurd still playing pro hockey. Like, he's fantastic. Uh, players, one of the first guys we, we met him and his parents at, uh, you know, Joey's little, you know, restaurant fish and chip stand to be like, yeah, this is what we'll do. We'll work on it. And obviously the main thing we generally focused on was dry land training at first. And we did some skills training. And then obviously complete hockey training was about, you know, also I was interested and wanted to teach them about the mind um, and, and their mindset and confidence and stuff. But I didn't know enough about it then. It was just a small part to it. And then things shifted and eventually it became more on ice and, and we started booking ice and filling it up and it was a on ice camp and, and always merging between those kind of three different areas. And, um, but now I, uh, Matt Marquardt now runs it and uh, let it go on to him and I just don't have the time and, and capability to run it. And, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great hockey school and it was a great kind of like starting point to learn how to like, you know, interact with younger players and older players and, um, and guide and coach them and, and doing it from like a more, you know, personal standpoint versus like just doing it with a team or, or but actually doing it in the off season or doing it individually with just one player from one team. So it was a really cool and, and experience. So I did that 
I did that for like t- over 10 years. Right. So I, I was there. Um, that was my summer job and it was, it was a good job. It was a lot of fun. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of work to kind of build it up. But once it was rolling, then it like had, you know, awareness in the community and people would just sign up every year. So Matt's been running it uh, this year. I don't know exactly. I haven't touched base with him in a couple of weeks, but you know, obviously with COVID it was a bit of a mess. So <laughs> poor guy, but the, uh, for, for running hockey school. So th- yeah, that's what that is. And then, and then that's what um, I think it might be the next question might be about now my other business, what we've, I've solely focused on is the consistent elite performance, which is just about the mindset stuff now. So, yeah. um, and that's, uh, so that's what I'm doing now, but yeah, go ahead. And I want to jump too far ahead on you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, we will definitely get into that. A uh, couple quick experiences we'll touch on beforehand, uh, moving back into the team setting. Uh, you worked in a coaching and management role with the Richmond Hill Coyotes for a few years. Uh, just talk about that experience and, you know, having the experience to both do some coaching as well as maybe some of the off ice, uh, you know, coordinating. Yeah. So what I, uh, so I was like a head coach in, uh, there in Richmond Hill for six years, five with one team, one with a younger team. And near the end, I started doing some like mentorship with some of the coaches um, and, and development with other, with the younger coaches too, or like the, not the younger coaches, but the coaches of the younger teams. Right. So that um, just to kind of, create a system because i've done well with my teams and it's like hey well come in not coach during games but just help out with practices and development structures and those kind of things so um so that was pretty cool it wasn't too big of a role necessarily but it was definitely nice to kind of you know share and be educating and, and working with other coaches and this is all while i was doing my phd and so being able to share some of that knowledge and insights and and the trial and error that i had done so um yeah those those years being a head coach and working with triple a like it's a triple a is its own beast in and of itself right now and <laughs> there's a lot of uh a lot of kind of nuances and learning learning things to, to be had there so that was um those those were definitely fun years but it was it was a lot right like you're on the i was on the ice a lot i was at the rink a lot and um and it was good because i had the time at that at, at that time in my life yeah, the AAA level, like you said, really is a beast of itself, and it, it takes a lot of commitment. And and when you're working and playing and and doing mm-hmm. school and all these different things, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. But uh, once again, before we get into elite performance, uh, one other experience I wanted to talk about was your consultant work uh, with York and and their hockey team. So yeah, uh, maybe just kind of touch on that role uh, and some of the things associated with that. Yeah. So as I was finishing up my PhD, so I'm at York, right? So it makes sense why I work with some of the York teams. So um, I started working with a handful of their teams, uh, obviously the women's hockey team, and then uh, with Dan Church, the men's volleyball team, the women's basketball, football, some soccer. So I got to work with a handful of different teams that were interested and open and and wanted. And some of it was frequent, some of it wasn't too frequent, uh, depending on the team and the coach but it was really nice to be integrated within their teams. So like I'd go in, I was like, I was, I was on the bench on the volleyball games. Like the guys want me on the bench. I don't know anything about volleyball or like, but like I'd be there as a support system on the mental performance side. And so obviously when I go to the hockey team, I know hockey, but like I'm there more as the support of the mental performance side. And, um, and so it was really fun to get that experience at that high of level and that level of integration and be around just to keep refining my coaching and, and mental skills, you know, to transfer to those level of athletes and, and their, and their relationships, because they're like the, those dedicated level, like they're going to eat it up, right? They like, they love their sport. They want to do well. So those are like, you know, great athletes to work with and kind of refine what works and, and how to get the most out of athletes. So 
that was like, I did that for about three years. Um, and, and every year it comes a little bit different. And near the end, I was really integrated with a few teams and, and some of those teams did really well. And now Dan Church is, you know, I think since then, he's really, his teams have really been taken off. Like they, they had quite the year this year. I was chatting with him. Um, Mike, Mike Wabi and the men's volleyball team was like, they were, they had, I love the volleyball team there, the culture of that team. They just, I love volleyball. There was time like, they just, they loved Like it was just such a supportive group and they did so well. So um, it was great to be a part of that and help, you know, be a resource for the coach and the players. So that's um, yeah, th those were, those were definitely fun times. It was easy because I live close to York. I would just show up. I'd be at school anyways. It was a easy little things, a way to get integrated into a team. Yeah. And I think from, you know, conversations with people who have worked at youth sports level and things like that, you kind of get that unique blend that, you know, they're not the kids, they're not junior players. And, uh, yeah. you know, they have different aspirations for pro. Some of them see different options there. So you really have a unique, um, like, age group and time frame in their lives. So you get those different experiences of working with people. And um, any experience, like you said, is a, is a good experience and something you can dive into. So uh, now moving into a more prominent position here, uh, consistent elite performance. Kind of talk about uh, the reason for starting that up and then uh, just – give us a breakdown of your work and uh, your role. Yeah. So I finished my PhD. It'll be three years this December. So once I finished in December, it was, I guess, 2017. I can't remember now the exact years, but or no, I guess it was 2018. So 2018, January, I was like, all right, what do I do now? I'm done school. <laughs> so and I was like, I want to do this full time. I want to give this a go. And, and, and like, I wanted to teach and stuff too. And I did some teaching at York and Humber, but, um, and I was still doing a little bit of the coaching and still had a bit of the hockey school, but I was like, this is what I want to do full time. So I'm like, all right, so I've got to create a business name. <laughs> that's, so that's, I, we created, I created consistent elite performance. I was like, that's the title of the business name. It's about helping athletes, you know, perform well and have well being. Um, but we want them to do it consistently. And so it was kind of a, I thought it was a catchy name um, <laughs> to be determined <laughs> up, up for up for a vote if you want to weigh in, but it, it seems uh, people seem to like it. And then it was just like, all right, how do we grow this? How do I get my name out there more? Cause I'd only been doing it kind of part-time. I've been doing it part-time for a while doing it with York, um, but at school I had other things on the go. Right. So now I was like, this is becoming my main thing. And so it was getting out there, doing presentations, refining how to work with athletes one-on-one, -on -one, how to work with teams and creating programs that, you know, people could purchase and kind of like set up and, and, and have that kind of a program. Um, and then eventually, so then once hockey season hit that year, it got real busy. So within by September, I'd done it for about nine months and it was doing okay and, and it's growing. And September hit and hockey season hit and all the things I've done, like now hockey players, because I mostly all my connections were hockey, were just like, oh, like knocking on the door. And so things got really busy September, October. I had to hire a min assistant. Now I'm getting overwhelmed. I have to bring in other coaches to help support the, the people that want the services and teams. And, um, and, I, and it was really funny because I was at this time, I was like teaching at York, teaching at Humber, and I was still coaching. So I had those three things. And then this thing is just booming. So I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> in, a, in a good way. Right. So, so I let go of all the other stuff after that semester. And, and now this is what I do full time. And so, you know, we are somewhat seasonal, um, seasonal with hockey, but we also I work in business now. I'm doing folks more in business because of, of the current climate, but you know, it's, that was actually a great time to be working on your mindset and your mental game because of, uh, 
because like, what else are you going to work on? So then usually they don't have time to do it. And, and so it's a great time to, to be investing in it and understanding what it is and how to actually do it. Cause most players don't know. So I do obviously a lot of coaching and then we have some other coaches in there that kind of support that. And, and cause not everybody can work with me. And, and then I obviously like, you know, doing a lot of like, you know, strategy around growing and creating programs. Like we're in our second year. Now we did a year of group programming because, you know, not like one-on-one is limited to how many I can work with with time cost is up there. So we do groups. So it was like, yeah, join our group an online course. And so it's like, you can learn the things you need to learn for like a very low cost. Right. So it's like, we've creating new ways and trying to be progressive and innovative to get the word out there because especially in hockey, but even in most sports, this is we're behind the eight ball on what does it mean to have mental performance and mental toughness and being able to trust yourself and confidence. We all get it. We all want those things. Um, and we know we don't want to be nervous and worried and doubtful, but like nobody really gets the how to, like I was saying earlier, like it's, we think the how to is just don't worry and be confident. That's the result. And so I try to be progressive and innovative to give the how-to, to teach the how-to, to make it very easy and digestible for people to um, develop the how-to. Just like if you think of like strength and conditioning, um, the result is you want to be fast. You don't want to be slow. You want to be strong. You don't want to be weak. You don't tell somebody, okay, just get stronger. Just be faster. That's, that doesn't work. Don't be slow. <laughs> That's not how you get there. You got to weight train, nutrition, training. Like there's a system, there's the how-to. So it's the same concept. It's just not so obvious. <laughs> it makes sense. It's yeah. very obvious when you think of it. And there's obviously unique things to the how-to for training that are important. Um, and so there's obviously unique and important things to the how-to for your mental game and, and your mental performance. So that was a long-winded maybe explanation, but touching on in different ways, that's what we're doing. Like I said, I'm still early on in this. Like, and we're getting lots of traction, working with pro players and um, an interest from um, – you know, all kinds of different sports, but again, mostly hockey and now transitioning to doing lots of more business stuff because your mindset in any area of life applies. Right. So, um, and then we're also doing some coach education stuff for it and then doing more of that. Um, even, you know, educating parents on it because, you know, <laughs> I teach the kid one thing, the parent says the other, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't exactly. help. Um, and, and teaching coaches because coaches are saying things that are actually often making it worse and they're, and, and they have such an important role to develop these um, so, so there's so many kind of, you know, opportunities out there. Um, but it's, it's definitely an interesting and fun challenge because it's not so tangible. So how do we make this less, we know it's important, but we don't really know what it is. How do we make it more tangible, digestible, um, and make a, a system around it, a, a procedure that's like, this is how I do it. Now I get it. Like now I can do it. So, um, so that's what I, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very interesting area of hockey and, and sports in general. And, uh, you know, it's continually growing and I think there needs to be an added emphasis and you talk about uh, working with the players, but just as much working with the coaches, making sure that the things that they're saying to the players don't interfere with, you know, the correct process, because as much as you could be doing on one side, if, you know, the other side of the development is <laughs> fighting against it, you know, you're almost going to be stuck in the mud, as they say. So, yeah. uh, you know, you've been doing this for a little bit now and talking with different people. Uh, just touch on the overall response from players in the field of hockey and, and sports in general on the topic. And uh, how much do you think that's grown kind of since you started in this area? Yeah. So I think it's, it's trending in the right direction. I think um, the impact and, and that's why like I'm the compound growth in a way, because the impact that it can have on a player is through the roof. 
Like we've got players that, you know, I had a player was this last year. He went from like, he was at one point a game. He was doing well, tweaks a couple of things, finishes the year at like two points, like literally doubling his points, like, like massive growth because he just like burst through and learned that he had some walls up and some barriers that he just wasn't self-aware enough and, um, and didn't have these areas. So it's like, clears that for significant growth, you know, tons of other players was, with similar benefits. And so, then the, the, the then they're really hooked right and then then they're telling people in the word of mouth and the compound growth so it's coming and, and other people are doing great work in this field too i don't think i'm the only one but they so um there's other people that all, we all have our own little spin on it um but in canada generally there's not a lot there's not a lot of people doing this full time and so you know i've grown quite quickly and and especially in hockey because of my hockey background i relate very well to the players i know what they're thinking because i was thinking the same thing so the and and so it's very understandable so you know but the the impact's quite quite large like i have a good example um i won't say his name but he's like he's he's ready to be like a really high nhl draft pick for next year's nhl draft and on monday we're chatting and he's like 90%. He said, I'm 90%. I asked him the question. I was like, you know, how much of your time and energy is going towards worry, doubt, negative thoughts? He's like, he's going down. Like it's, it's heavy. It's a 90%, 10% trust himself in that right mindset, um, you know, believing and doing. And I was like, that's heavy. Like that's a low number, right? So it's not less about where you are. And within three days, I chatted with him last night. And he's like, he's at 80, 20, he's flipped it around. He's now 80% already believing in doing like, so it can happen instantaneous, which is the really cool thing. And, but it's about taking the time to look within, understand yourself, you know, know where you are and understand that that's a result. And he's like, he's trying to change the result. Oh, I'm 90% negative. I just got to be more positive. He's just trying to do this. You don't just change the result. Like, it's like, it's like a player that's going slow. It's like, well, I just got to be faster. And it's like, no, maybe you gotta do some training. But the cool thing with this is it can change like that. Like with training, it's going to take months to get from if you're slow, you can get faster. Your stride, your shot, like it takes way more repetition on the more time and energy. This and this player, as an example, now you got to keep doing it. And there's a never ending process. Just like being fast is, you know, oh, now I don't have to train anymore because now I'm fast. You got to keep training and eating well or you'll get slow again or you'll slow down. So, um, so the impact is, is quite high. And uh, when the players buy in and, you know, how much more players buying in than before, it's hard to really assess that on a big scale, but I would definitely say it's becoming more and more normalized. Um, and the more players do it, the more they share, the more other players are then interested. Um, so that's, uh, so, and it's growing. And then, and the more we do, and I personally do well, like, you know, work with a player and, and teams and it does well, then more people want to get interested. So it's, it's an area that everybody works on, whether they know they are or not. <laughs> so so yeah. that's, um, that's another way to kind of frame it. And the last area that uh, someone else said to me while well, recently is just like, you know, protecting your investment, right? So it's like you train so much and you invest so much money and time and energy into your physical abilities, your technical abilities. And like family, minor hockey, 10, 15 grand a year, like <laughs> these AAA players, you know, an NHL team's paying a guy $7 million, $5 million. And like, if he's nervous and doubt, starting to doubt himself and get in his own head, what a waste of $7 million. Like, you know what I mean? Like what a waste of, you know, 20, 10 grand a year. Like your investment goes out the window because you're not, you know, ensuring and giving the full perspective and let alone the life skills and well being factor. Cause it's not just about performance. So the name consistently performance, yeah, because that's what people seem to care about first and foremost, but people do care about well being and enjoying the game. And when you're having fun and you're feeling better, you play better too. Like they go hand in hand. 
And so you can't just focus on just one. They're always, they're, they're there together. And sometimes there's a misconception that we think, oh, it's just about this one. Who cares about that? Well, you do that. It won't give you long-term success, right? You might get results short-term, but eventually you'll burn out or there'll be, it won't be sustainable. Um, and some people think, oh, well, I just have to be high uh, well-being and low performance doesn't, you know, who cares about performance? Well, that's not a great model, obviously. <laughs> so you want to do both. That won't work really well either. You, know, you want a meaningful impact and growth and that comes with uh, both sides of the coin so and they go together yeah yeah outstanding uh, analysis there and i think that's something that a lot of people have to consider uh, you know in, in more current age like we're, we're looking at different things and your well-being and, and there's so many ways that you can approach the topic but at the end of the day they kind of come with the same result you have to look after yourself and and mm -hmm. work with your headspace and things like that and um i know we talked about the growth since you started but uh, maybe a tough question, but looking, say, 10 years down the road, um, you know, considering that some people will look at it as uh, to help with their well-being, to help with their performance, or people might even look at it uh, protecting your assets, things like that. Uh, where do you see the impact of sports consulting and mental performance coaching reaching in that time frame? And uh, do you think that every team is going to be using it or kind of what's your thoughts around the, you know, that topic? Yeah, the long-term impact. Great question. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the long-term impacts to the roof. Like we have like, we'll work sometimes with some pretty young players and it's like, good for you for starting young because the sooner you learn these habits, the sooner you, you get the benefits and the, you know, the long-term benefits of them. Um, instead of trying to like, you know, I work with a 17 year old and we got like seven years of being overly focused on outcomes and worrying about what other people think. I'm trying to break that down and, 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 and develop the, the new habit and, and mindset. And, and it can happen fairly quickly, but still like when you're, they're young. So the impact then is if they truly develop the habit and they stick with it. And a lot of our players and they stick on and they do those group calls and they, they have some touch-ins over time. Um, but if you do a year long program or a couple of years, you're staying involved on this. It's now ingrained. It's just like how you live, right? You think of elite performing in any area of life. So, cause everybody's going to stop playing at some point. What do you do with your life then? And you need these, these are life skills. And so the impact on performance long-term, like the best players are usually very resilient and confident because they've developed these skills in some way of a form, right? And so it's not that they don't get worried or, or have negative thoughts. They just know how to manage them and, and deal with them. And they've developed that in various ways over time. I'm often maybe working with someone like myself. So, um, but so that impact, it definitely allows you to consistently learn, grow and have that performance and well-being over long-term in all areas of life. So it's definitely... You know, I think there's a lot of great impact on that form um, in terms of how, you know, think of it in terms of like teams and the impact there um, and whether they'll be using it more and more. I, I for sure think so. I think, it, um, I don't know how long it'll take, but making it more integrated into coach education, right? I think coaches and coaches, coaches and coaches, I said the same thing twice. Uh, coaches really value and that's how important coaches are. How many coaches, all coaches, a lot of coaches are really seeing the value in it. So they bring me in or bring someone in to teach it, but they also want to learn it themselves because, you know, they're there daily. You get that touch point with an athlete daily. And if you don't understand the mental game and the mental side of things and, and their mental performance, you know, that can, they might be slipping and you might be saying things or there's things you could help reinforce if you notice them getting thrown off and you could help, you know, get them build those habits. Right. Whereas like, I can't be with an athlete daily. We often, some of our athletes, we text daily. We have my men text them daily, give them reminders about certain things because they'll forget <laughs> some of these kids they don't have those habits yet. So, um, but the, the coaches are there with them often daily or, or frequently. And so that's a big area I think um, that's growing 
um, is the integration with coaching and teams. Um, yeah. And then, so yeah. And then like, you know, within the NHL, within the OHL, within minor hockey and, and those areas, like the NHL doesn't have every, I don't think every team has, I was talking with somebody who's in the Vancouver organization. Um, like I've worked with some NHL guys and, and had conversations with them. And so like my understanding, like there will be one with every NHL team. Like the MLB has got like four people on staff for every team. Like it's like, so it's just the NHL is just coming along. And so, and then my hope is I'll be working with some of more of those teams and as, as I go. Um, and even in the OHL, I've got like three different OHL teams discussions about, you know, who's, <laughs> who wants to like, cause then I think every OHL team will have one and so forth. Um, and maybe there's one connected with minor hockey organizations or in that area, but um, you know, or like interns as an example. So, cause I have people come in they want internships. And so like, cause for, for minor hockey organization and teams to hire me to be around a lot is, is a lot in their budget as is, but the intern they can then bring in for a lot more reasonable costs and they get that support. So, um, and they might not have the same experience as me, but they're teaching the same things that I kind of then supervise them in a way. So that's, um, you know, some long-term, you know, impact and where is it going? I could see it, you know, it definitely has a great impact. So then it's just going to keep compound growth, right? Uh, to a degree, <laughs> there's always going to be some naysayers, but I was doing another actually podcast series about pure coach education. And like one concept's always nice. I like uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about like the tipping point. Like when do we really hit the tipping point? Like right now it, it hasn't tipped yet. Does that make sense? Not like everybody's doing it. It's like, you know, I'd say like 20%, like, 15, 10% of, of players are really kind of taking advantage of teams, coaches taking advantage of it. Um, in the NHL, like, I don't know what the percentage is, it's probably higher to a degree, but then how integrated are they? Because I know even in the NHL, some teams that they're often, they work with, and even in the MLB, they're like, some of the coaches are like, I don't want to talk to this guy. I'm running my own show. You go work with the AHL team, right? So okay. it's like, um, right. And even in the OHL, like, oh, I don't know if I want to bring someone, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And so, um, but it's like, why not have a support system? Like anybody in any leadership position knows, support yourself with smart people. John Cooper, they got the guy there, Ryan Hamilton, you know, they've been won the Stanley Cup, right? They've been dominating, doing well for a year. He's integrated in the team, like on the NHL team, not just the AHL team. Obviously does a lot of work with, uh, I chat with him a few months ago and I don't have all the details, but you know, that level of integration, you know, is, um, it's coming. But again, how much is it now? Like, I don't have the stats. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, you know, I do a team presentation, like, you know, a couple of kids might sign up. Well, that's like two out of 15. Like, you know, what are the other 13 kids doing? So yeah. it's not like the buy, it has not tipped. Whereas like, maybe I go do presentations like, Oh, 12 kids reach out. And like, most of them are reaching out. Um, I see it getting there eventually. Um, or, or 12 of them is like, Hey, I want to learn more about this. And like, it becomes more of a normal and normalized thing. Where is it still not quite there yet? would be my, uh, that was a long-winded answer. I apologize. <laughs> no, listen, I, I, I love when people uh, get into these topics and are passionate about it and keep it going. But, uh, you know, to back up some of the points there, uh, it's definitely a, a thing that needs to continue to grow. And like you said, to reach that tipping point, eventually it will. But, uh, you know, just continually educating people and, and the coaches are a very good example of somebody that can help bring it to the players and things like that. But uh, definitely something that will continue to evolve in hockey, but you know, in, in sports in general, and you've worked with different teams and things like that, uh, just talk about maybe the importance or the benefit of having players who are, you know, multi-sport athletes and having those experience in other sports and how that can, uh, you know, help them with their mental performance and what's just some takeaways around that area. 
Yeah, well, the research behind it is obviously through the roof, and a lot of people report on that. Like, you're a multi-sport athlete, you're a better athlete generally. So then you're going to be better at the sport you end up specializing in or end up choosing when you go to collegiate levels or the higher levels. So there's pure just athletic abilities, and um, but it's also just healthy development, right? You think of, like, youth sport is about development. Well, what, what's development all about? Is it about specializing in a sport very early and doing the same thing over and over again? Is that what development is? Maybe, but not exactly. Like development's developing the person, developing the athlete and their athleticism and developing their mind. Is it healthy for a kid's mind to be doing the same thing like 20 hours a week since they're like seven for like 10 years till they're 17? You think they're going to be, you know, just still loving the game and, uh, and as well-rounded um, and as athletic because they've been doing like – not that it wouldn't work, but you just want to be cautious of that. And, and generally what the research says, that's not the best approach. So, um, and then instead, uh, or the other big thing to then touch on with that is what you touched on the, one of the mental benefits of doing another sport, say I'm an elite hockey player, but I also play some competitive ball, but on my like baseball and, um, and on my hockey team, I'm the stud, right? Like I'm the best player. So I'm used to just you know, thriving, being the go-to guy, but on baseball, I'm not. <laughs> so now I get to deal with adversity um, and, and deal with like, you know, uh, I got to work my way up the lineup and, and earn my more things and, and struggle and learn those other mental skills. And then in hockey, you're learning the mental skills of, you know, dealing with the pressure and the things. So it's like you get a bit more of a balance versus just like, oh, I'm just going to do one sport and do the only the sport that I'm really good at. So that's like, you know, and then you don't have a well-rounded experience your whole, um, you know, identity is wrapped around one sport too, which is, there's all kinds of issues related to that too. I am just a hockey player. Well, there's more to you than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's like, there's, there's, and not even just like, I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm, I can do other sports, but like, you know, that's just the whole basic principle of, you know, you know other areas of your life. And if you don't do that, that's uh, often will catch up with you. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, even, even with coaches and people management, having those multi sport experiences can be beneficial, but definitely, like you said, from a, a mindset and maybe struggling in one sport, you can take that into your approach, uh, in a sport you're succeeding in and, and vice versa and things like that. And, um, you know, a lot of people talk about Michael Jordan playing multiple sports and mm -hmm. even for a guy like him, I'm sure it helped him, uh, succeed in, in basketball, having that stint in baseball, but. You know, that's yeah. a, a very highlighted story there. But um, <laughs> I, th I think it's a really good point to make. And it's something that uh, we encourage all athletes and people listening to the podcast to uh, dive into that area and look for opportunities in other sports to get involved. Um, a lot of that information and things like that come from books and articles and a multitude of areas that you reference. Uh, for you personally, maybe sports specific, but also not sports specific. Uh, what are some of your favorite things to reference for new ideas in, uh, in your field? Hmm. Yeah. The, um, great question. So I've got a lot of different mentors and people I've learned from, I probably can't list, list, list them all. <laughs> so, um, I actually, a lot of my stuff, uh, I attribute a lot to Dr. John Demartini. So he does a lot of really cool work, not a lot in sport at all, actually, but just in general with dealing with your thoughts and emotions and understanding who you are and your values and where you want to go and be able to deal with these kind of concepts and deal with them in a very real broken down way. So I, I, he's, he's been a huge mentor for me and very helpful. Um, so he, he gives me lots of inspiration and, and guidance for that. 
I've got um, my uncle's actually does a lot of coaching and consulting. And so, and he's done a lot of John's work. So he's, uh, I chat with him a lot. He's a big resource. My dad's in this area now. He's actually a medical doctor that now teaches mindfulness, like <laughs> become all like Buddhism. He's not big Buddha, but like, you know, he does a lot of meditation and this mindfulness work. So he's obviously uh, helpful in that area. But then like, you know, all my supervisors and the research um, on positive youth development, uh, transformational leadership. There's a bunch of great stuff there. Autonomy, supportive coaching behavior. So intrinsic motivation or self-determined motivation is like DC and Ryan. So their research goes back to like 1985. Uh, Carol Dweck's work is, is similar in line with that. Like this, like they, we've known this stuff for decades. Like the, we, we know what it is and how to cultivate these, you know, concepts that aren't so obvious. And it's still just catching up with it. Like we're there's still like not even the, the bridge is not even close to being covered yet. We have not even close to hitting the tipping point, but these things that are very real, that have a very big impact um, and we can learn to understand them and, and, you know, make the most out of them and channel the energy that we have with our thoughts and emotions, you know, it can help us perform our best and improve well-being. So get that player that's a 90, 10 to, to flip it and start being, you know, 95% believing, doing in that healthy mindset and performance and well-being. So, um, so yeah, those would be some of the top ones. Uh, Timothy Galloway wrote a book way back. Again, here's another classic called The Inner Game of Tennis. He also wrote one, The Inner Game of Golf, but his first one, The Inner Game of Tennis, fantastic. Some fantastic principles in there. Um, I just read The Confident Gap. I read a lot of also um, like uh, Make It Stick is a concept idea and book that's uh, fantastic. I just read Mike Koska actually just recommended it to me and then um, I crushed through that. I was like, this is just being able to take a concept because a lot of what we do is just pure concepts and make it, how do you make something stick? How do you make people resonate and apply? Like as we talk a lot with our reset routine, like bubbles and pink elephants and like funny analogies because we can't show it to you on a video. I can't be like, here's how to manage your emotions on a video. Like it's a, it's not uh, it, it's, there's no physical thing going on. It's an emotional internal thoughts and emotions. So we want to conceptualize these and make analogies that stick. And, um, and I just actually made a YouTube video today earlier, um, just explaining more the how to channeling nerves. And it's just like really dichotomize it, make it clear, you know, there's, you know, that believing doing it's a, it's a continuum and, um, and how much is it that versus worrying doubt and nerves and, and, and then, but like, that's the result, not the how to. So it's like, it's showing it, writing it out and, and having people see the choice and the, where they want to direct their energy. So, um, the, I guess what I was also then getting out of that is I like to try to innovate. So it's just like, I don't like, obviously I take lots from all kinds of different areas. I've done some really other cool courses. I'm just told you I had a lot. So the, I'm trying to name as many as I can. Um, T Harv Ecker is a guy most famously known for like the millionaire mindset kind of stuff. And, but then he's got all these other cool courses and my fan, we did a bunch of these weird courses doing like a walked on fire. I was walking on glass. I, someone broke a, thing on my chest, like ropes courses, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but it's, you know, learning different concepts related to our mind. I did a leadership course. Like, so I've done, a, I've done some weird stuff. I did a course. Here's a, here's a, here's a good one. I did a course. Um, you weren't allowed to have a normal conversation or talk or thing for like, it was a whole weekend or like three days, like two full nights or something like, and uh, we just meditated. I don't really overly recommend it because it's kind of weird, but it, it's very insightful. Like, holy smoke. And the question we were constantly is like, 
tell me who you are. So I was like, I constantly doing just a dyad and reflecting on who, like I was reflecting on who I am. And it, it was a really weird meditational thing, but like, it's just learning about these concepts. And so I gather from so many different experiences and try to then innovate um, and create what I feel will have the best quickest impact and that sticks. Right. And that's why like, the recent book I read, oh, that's very convenient for the work that I do. So uh, there's probably a bunch of other people I'm missing, but the, um, those are some of the top ones. <laughs> yeah. That's a, an outstanding list. And, uh, you know, diving into mentors, uh, a lot of times people will come on and they'll name five or six. And then as soon as the, the camera goes off, another list of 10 to 15 people <laughs> come up and that's just yeah. the way it is, but it really does yeah. take a community and especially in sports and hockey, uh, that's kind of the way it works. Mm -hmm. uh, through those interactions and, and from the numerous resources that you mentioned, uh, maybe just talk about one or two of the major lessons that you learned that you, uh, you know, used throughout your career. Yeah. So one, I'll give two big areas. So one that we've kind of alluded to a bunch right now, but the first kind of main lesson is our emotions. So um, particularly the charged emotions of, you know, being elated, deflated, um, having fantasies and nightmares, having, um, you know, frustration, worry, doubt. These are charged emotions, which lead us to inconsistent performance. We're getting our head, we're overly stressed out. Those are the result, right? Like I said a few times, not the outcome and their feedback. Their feedback that we have in the how-to here is that you have a delusion, right? So a player that goes in is like, oh, I'm not sure if I, I don't think I'm gonna score today, et cetera. Well, that's because he probably has some kind of a fantasy and therefore delusion that he needs to, has to, and should score. I got to score every game. If I don't get scored, life's over. I'm not going to get drafted. Coach not going to play me. I got to be liked by the coach all the time. Everybody's got to like, that's a delusion. Nobody's liked by everybody all the time. And so you're not willing to accept and understand and have a healthy perspective of the situation. So that's some fantasy nightmare delusion overly focused on just outcome versus focused on learning, growing, intrinsic, um, having perspective, accepting, understanding the possibilities. And that con that's what our reset routine boils down to and using breathing and imagery as well. But those, that's the emotional side and understanding of why you have this outcome of, of, of an emotion of doubt and worry and, and things. And instead have um, the outcome of being confident and relaxed yet focused. And so if you can understand that, oh yeah, I'm doing a lot of this because of that, and there's what to do and accept and understand and have clarity. Now I can be, do this more and this number goes up. And now I'm playing more consistent and at my potential and I'm learning and I'm having more fun. So it seems so simple, but yeah. it's not always so simple. It's tough when you're in the thick of it and it's so simple, but it's not taught. What's taught is again, oh, just don't worry about it. Just be confident. What the heck kind of advice is that? Right. That is not, that's like telling someone just be faster and don't be slow. Like, it's a, no, like, how do I get faster? What do I got to do? What are the steps? Um, and understanding, looking within, you got to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to be honest with yourself. And so, so that's it. And then the other way to just frame that up too, is like, we're all just energy. We have energy, like as an example, I don't know if I said this earlier, but um, a hockey player, if you have like, oh, you got a big basketball game tomorrow. I don't care. I don't have much energy about that. So I got these energies and thoughts and emotions and feelings or nerves because I care about the sport, right? Or I care about the things that I care about, right? like a big presentation or whatever it is and big game. And so those nerves are energy and you can 
you have a choice to channel it and, and go into, I accept and, and, and understand and there's so be focused and confident and then get the results or you don't channel it and you develop a fantasy and, and don't check your mindset and your thoughts and it's all over the place and the nerves are using you. Now you're overly doubting yourself and nervous and anxious and worried, et cetera. So that concept, um, and again, John DiMartini is a great mentor, you know, helps, has helped me clarify a lot of that and taught me, you know, majority of that. And obviously I have my own little spins on it, but yeah, he's, he's big. And the other thing come from him too, is I probably brought him up first, um, is the be do have model, which is, you know, who do you want to be? Um, what do you want to do? What do you want to have and have alignment there? And most people are highly focused on what do we want to have? Okay. And so it's like, um, yeah, I want to have, I want to get these results. I want to score. We want to win. This is, it's all about the have and the outcome, which, like I said, that's part of the problematic for the, the how to of the, you know, getting the, the right mindset. And so there's a couple of cool lessons to take out of that first and foremost, that when you're overly focused on your have, and it's a high percentage of your energy is going there, it usually is because you also have a fantasy. I'm thinking they got to be perfect in these things. And you can't stop thinking about it. It's like a, a goal scorer wanting to score, but he can't stop thinking. He's like, I got to score. I need to score. He's less likely to score. Instead, we, what you want is alignment between those. So it's like choosing who do you want to be? Get to that intrinsic thing. Why do you play your sport? What type of player do you want to be? How does it feel? And the answer is not just to win because the winning is the outcome. That's the have and are the good points or get drafted. The B is actually more to do with who you are and, and these intrinsic areas of learning, growing, contributing. And then if you can really get re-engaged with the B, what you want to do, because those are obviously highly aligned and you have alignment there, and then that leads to the outcomes. And the more we focus on being and doing, the more the outcomes are like taking care of yourself. Like the common lines, like you know, trust the process, right? Like but like most people don't trust the process. They're just focused on the outcome. <laughs> so, enough for the process is about doing, obviously, but don't forget being. And most people is like, oh, we're really focused on have. And I sometimes then start to think about do and, um, and almost never think about who we're being. And we don't really get the be concept because that's more intrinsic. And so again, that's, uh, those would be the top two ones right now that I'd, uh, I'd highlight, you know, some things that I've learned and, doing my best to share with others. So Yeah, it's definitely an area and uh, things that players especially, but other people can take away as well. And uh, I'm sure everybody in hockey operations and things like that at some point think about, you know, the fantasy. They want to be at the <laughs> NHL level. But mm-hmm. um, like Sean LaFortune said in the previous episode and others said before, you know, enjoy the process, work on the process, who you want to be, and, and then eventually the results will come. Um, as a final question here today, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself, maybe, you know, uh, during your junior time and, and looking into school and things like that, or someone who's in a similar position, uh, what's one piece of advice that you would give them hoping that they would, you know, be in a similar position as you today? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a great question. I think my answer changes. Somebody else answered, asked me that maybe a month ago. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, what did I say then? <laughs> I got to copy myself from a couple of months ago. Um, but I can't remember. So the <laughs> it was funny. But now, yeah, so I like one of the big things, like when you're young and at any point in your life, really, but definitely when you're young, uh, and I've done this with a handful of, of athletes and people lately, um, a lot of it is like, you know, figuring out what do you want to do? 
right? Like, like who do you want to be? Right. We're, we're just talking about what do you value? Cause where does that come from? Where does this, why do we have energy towards hockey and not basketball? What's, why do we value it? What's meaningful? And like, and understanding that and then embracing it. And sometimes it's like, well, where do I want my energy to go? Um, and why do, and like, so asking those tough questions, um, I think is so important. And, and I did ask it to a bit, but you know, obviously, you know, hindsight, you know, if someone was asking me more of those questions or had more of that, you know, guidance or somebody that been through it or, you know, get some more clarity. And that's obviously why I do what I do. I don't want players to go through all the, the struggle that I went through trying to figure it out the long way. So, you know, 10 year career plus of 12 year university. <laughs> so the, um, so, but it's, it's spending some time and energy getting to know yourself and, uh, and your values and, uh, and your why. And that changes. And the unique thing that I throw out, like I said, sometimes it becomes very important when that's very unclear, right? Because if you're in a transition, like if you're in school or you're, you know, and it's those athletes like at university and like they eventually know they're not going to go play pro sports. So then what do they value? <laughs> I don't know. And like they're kind of lost and there's a party all the time or something or like, and they're not doing things that are meaningful. And so it's about knowing what you value. And then it's not about pursuing happiness, but pursuing meaning. Um, in your life because there's no escaping pain right there's no like that's fantasy nightmare oh i'm just gonna have no pain in my life how the heck are you gonna do that <laughs> it's like the um there's instead do things that are meaningful find challenges that are meaningful and that's where true joy comes from you can go get external pleasure but there'll be a lack of meaning in that if you get too much external pleasure like you just play video games all the time and don't do um things that are meaningful you'll end up regretting it and have nothing to show for yourself unless you become an EA gamer. I always say, but that's, I don't really encourage that. I don't know enough about it. So the point being is, you know, that uh, the short of it was like, get to know yourself, your values. I think those are, uh, are huge things, especially when you're young. And cause like, there's so many of those times you're going to be like, what the heck am I doing this for? <laughs> Do I really want this? Great questions to ask yourself, spend some time reflecting on that for a period of your time. Like there's going to be transition times in your life. Those are, are, can be very helpful during those transitions um, instead of it going down to the, to, to the dumps like, um, and getting all the, the worry going, so <laughs> the worry yeah. train. So it wasn't the most clear answer, but uh, when you ask a big question like that, then it makes me ponder. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know, when, I, when I ask a question like that, I always expect you know, a million different thoughts to come in, but I think uh, you did get your point across very well. And you know, at the end of the day, when you take care of yourself, everything around you uh, will be better as a result. So Cassie, I just want to thank you once again for taking some time every day to join me on the podcast. And hopefully people learned as much as I did. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. All right. I really appreciate it. Take care. I'd once again like to thank Cassidy for taking a moment out of his busy schedule to come on the podcast and talk about mental performance. We don't often associate that topic with hockey operations, but after listening to his story and ideas, I think it's fair to say it should be included moving forward. If you would like to get in touch with Cassidy to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Mitch Jagir, assistant coach with Concordia University and video coach with Torpedo of the KHL. Mitch is an extremely active voice in the hockey world, creating a lot of content and often being featured on the coach's site, among other locations. 
The conversation with Mitch was fun to say the least, and I think listeners will enjoy the relaxed yet informative nature of the episode. As a final note, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and interacting with the podcast on various platforms, including Twitter, which saw a staggering 50,000 impressions over a four-day span earlier this week. Be sure to let us know what you want to hear down the road and how we can continue to improve the podcast moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.